Welcome to Eye on the Illini, folks. This is a heck of a night. You're listening to Illini guy Mike Kegley. I'm going to have on Illini guy Brad Sturdy, Illini uh, Director of Recruiting Kedrick Prince, and later on Matt Stevens, Illini staff writer. It was one heck of a night here as Illinois had, did an upset of number 10 ranked Michigan State on the Illini home floor, and they did it minus a guy named Kofi Coburn, you may have heard of him, and minus Andre Curbelo. Kedrick, let me know what is your initial thoughts on the game. Well, thank goodness they got the W because we knew what happened last Friday and what everyone thought about last Friday. And hopefully people have short and you know they have short amnesia enough to get about that game. This was a nice win on so many levels. You know, a good quad one win, a home win without two of your better players. Uh, they were out rebounded and they still won. They didn't shoot free throws well and they still won. Guys stepped up that I have been crying like a little baby about <laughs> for months. I mean, my guys, I mean, Omar Payne, I'm telling you, and I'll say it again, the kid can help Illinois. He has talent. However, he needs to figure some things out. One of his fouls is – He's played too long to to do the things that he's doing. So I get why he's not playing a lot of minutes, but that kid can help him. And what people may not realize, look at the offensive sets that they run when Kofi's not there. The easy layups that they get because uh, Benjamin Bosman Verdun can slip screens and Omar Payne can slip screens very well. The offense is going to be great. If they continue to get a quality big man, Illinois is going to be fine, not just now, but in the future. Luke Gooding, you know, I know his name's going to come up probably 20 times in this podcast. I just, I've always said, and even RJ, the talent and the future of the program is in good hands. It was just really, really nice to see them get this win. And the comments that Tom Izzo made about Brad Underwood and the team and Trent Frazier, I mean, it's time for Trent to, to start garnishing some of these things nationally, some of these awards, because people have to understand, he, you know he's going to get the shot. He's a different player. Teams can't stop him. I really hope he gets his just due with some of these awards going into his last year of college basketball because he deserves it. Yeah, I agree with you there. Brad, what did you see from uh, your spot on press row? Yeah, you know, I thought it was just a lot of energy from the Illinois coaching staff. I, I felt like they were really, I mean, it sounds weird, they were a little more animated than normal. Um, you know, obviously you talk about the game, and, you know, Trent Frazier was great. Luke Goody made big plays. I thought, you know, you think about it, the Benjamin Boswell's rocks and Omar Payne played 35 minutes, had 15 points and six rebounds. That's, that's a, I mean, a couple block shots, a couple assists, you know. So those guys actually filled in admirably. Um you know, for what they were doing. So I thought Illinois did a good job. I thought defense, obviously, is the key. Really did a great job locking up, um, you know, uh, Michigan State, and especially in the first half, made it tough on them. And, uh, you know, even uh, the one guy is going to be – there are two guys are kind of unsung that we don't talk about who played good minutes. At, where Coleman Hawkins and Monte Williams, neither guy scored, but they really gave you some good stuff on the defensive end, and, and that's – you know, I think those guys really did a good job. Undersized in many cases. Coleman had to play some five, um, kept the foul trouble. Demonte guarding Bingham down low and doing a great job. Yeah, yeah. That that versatility is hard to hard to match. But you know, so they got enough, just enough offense. Um, I don't know that I've ever seen a team go the final five thirty two without scoring and still find a way to win. But that's just one of those you take it. This is uh, you know, if you're in conference play now, just win the game. You know, and that's all there is to it. If you if you win, you know, it doesn't matter if you win by one or 50, especially tonight with the situation they were in with Kofi being out, with Carmelo being out, with COVID and Kofi having the discussion. I think that those are the kind of – that's kind of win you got to get. And now you find a way to win the – you know, win the next one. So, I'm a – you know, just keep game by game. Just keep building and, and get the momentum. Hopefully they'll have those – both those guys back Saturday at Northwestern and – um, they can go on a run here. You know, we we're thinking about going on a losing streak. Now we're thinking about maybe on a winning streak. Yeah, it's it is amazing the patience that you have to have as an Illini fan, and just wait till the next game. It can all change. 
But uh, three things. That's what's good about basketball, not football. Football, yeah. you lose. You got to wait six, seven days. Yeah. In basketball, a couple of days is, is different. Yeah, three three things stood out to me from an Illini standpoint. One was when um, DeMonte forced Bingham to actually do a fadeaway jumper. I was kind of amazed by that, that, that you know, that somebody that big would do that on a guy 6'2". Um, and, and then I thought Coleman Hawkins had uh, a couple of his rebounds were just at critical times. And then the final thing was, with all the length that Michigan State throws at you, you have Trent Frazier going two for 10 from the three, but four for five on layups in the lane where he's getting hip checked, every one of them. And somehow a six, one guy is going into the trees and making those layups. Uh, his, his ability to finish has been um, monstrously improved in the off season. He's a different player. I mean, he's a year older, he's confident and he knows this is his team, you know. The when it, when the game was over, you know, people were congratulating him, giving him the game ball because he's in the top ten in scoring. You know what he talked about? Missing that free throw. That's growth, you know. And for all the fans out there, I've done it myself a few times. The game's it's a forty minute game, but I thought the MVP in the first half was Demonte. I don't think I've ever ever seen him play as hard as he did. He wasn't. A lot of people look at rebounds, and I'm not going to be critical of people, whether you coach or not, but getting a rebound and going to get a rebound is a lot different. DeMonte was going to take rebounds from anybody that had a green shirt on and a white shirt on. He played so hard, and I know, we can all know if you listen to the press conference that people want to go to our site and read, you know, Coach Underwood's comments and quotes from the press conference. You knew what you were going to get tonight. You knew you were going to get a, a, a great effort. And to me, he talked about culture. That is Illinois basketball. That is what Illinois basketball will be about until he leaves. They may lose games, but they're going to fight and compete. And I was extremely impressed with how hard they got after it. It's been a long time since I, even when they were winning with a three quarters of a roster, they played hard tonight. Brad, what were your thoughts on that? Yeah, no, I totally agree. I mean, I think, um, I mean, obviously it's defense. I think it shows that they have more depth maybe than um, than you thought. You know I mean? When you talk about, uh, you know, a guy like Goody coming in, and that's that's that next man up mentality. And, you know, and Underwood mentioned this in his postgame. They're going to be better. It sounds, sounds weird to say this, but they're going to be better because now they have a guy like Luke Goody. Now they have a guy like Benjamin Bosman's Renock. Now they have a guy like Omar Payne, who are now being productive members of the team. And so you play eight guys tonight. You had those eight. You had those two. Now you have ten guys who've actually gotten some legit experience. You don't. You aren't panicking when you have. You know, Kofi gets two fouls. It's not the end of the world now because you. You know, you can play for a few minutes with those other guys, and they can give you a couple minutes. And you know, Demonte's having an off game. You got Luke Goody. You know, somebody's not making a shot. You know, Jake didn't shoot a wild night. You throw in Luke Goody, and he goes three for four for three. So, those are the kind of things that make. That's the kind of team that has the depth and, and enough talent to win when we get into a tournament situation, like the Big Ten tournament, or like we got to win three games in three days, or or maybe the NCAA tournament. We got to win, you know, Friday, Friday, Sunday, Thursday, Saturday, whatever it is. And you got a lot of, you know, it's very condensed. You need that depth for guys to keep their legs. Now, the, the question I have for you guys is because they showed it a lot on TV. Obviously, you guys were there at the game. But they showed Izzo just whining and chewing and eating on referees. How exactly did he manage to have a team that's down by 14 points at the half, and yet he ends up having his team – shoot 10 more free throws on the road when legitimately his team is trying to get the rally. How did he, what did he do, you know, to, to kind of chew on the refs to, to kind of get those calls in his favor? Cause to me, that looked like a master's class in how to apply pressure and make sure that, uh, you know, you had everything lined up for a rally. And of course they had the bonus early in the second half and the double bonus, for quite a quite a few minutes, Brad, could you hear or uh, see anything from there at courtside on on what he was doing? 
Oh, he, he was just working. He worked him there in the whole one one time out. He spent the whole time out working him. Um, talking about this being a foul, that being a foul, and you know the hands on the bumping, whatever it was. I mean, I, I I'll be honest with you. I thought the game was pretty well officiated. I mean, I, and I know they got the line more. There were a few times I thought Illinois got them, didn't get a couple of calls, maybe more like plays that didn't affect the game. But there was a couple of plays where. You know, maybe I, I thought Trey got hit on a drive that led to a turnover one time, and there was a couple, a couple of other ones. But overall, I thought it was well, good, pretty well officiated game. Um, Illinois fouled a few times, and he got he got a few of the maybe a cheap one. He got a cheap one on, you know, Payne down underneath. He got a cheap one on, um, you know, Ben one time that really probably wasn't a foul. But but you know, overall, you know, he, he just did, did what he does, and he minds a lot. People hate him, but he's been coaching for there for over 20 years and he knows all these guys he's had you know he, they, they respect him and that's uh you know that's that's the advantage that he has i think that maybe other people don't have you saw it the other day when they went to wisconsin you know so sometimes when you beat them it, it's really hard to um I, I think it's some, somewhat hard to beat them you know because of that i mean i think it, when you get in a game like that they're going to have a little bit of an advantage usually and just because of the way he works the officials and his, his relationship he has with all these guys. Yeah, I think, I think that almost is the point where he, he is actually a walking home court advantage. The thing that I saw that, that I, was frustrating to me as somebody who's coached was, man, if you go watch the films, Julius Marble did a wonderful job of literally pushing people out of bounds or from – or actually from on the court to underneath the basket, you know, while he's rebounding. So people are watching the shot go up and he's busy, you know, cleaning people's clocks, you know, which I thought was genius move. Cause that's what I, I tried to do crap like that all the time. Um, and I, I was like you, I thought Frazier got hipped almost every time. One time it was a turnover. And there was a couple of times when I think, um, Sometimes I think uh, Adam Fletcher just trains the Illinois players to be too strong. And if they would, you know, fall down a little more often, maybe they'd get some calls that other teams would. But because they're strong enough, they can kind of play through more and the refs just decide that it's not a big deal. Ked, what would you think on that? I have to be honest with you. I thought the reason Michigan State got to the free throw line, I thought they were more aggressive attacking the basket personally. I cry a lot about officiating. I didn't have a problem with it tonight because let's be honest, every game, no matter what game it is, whether you're watching Illinois or you're watching, you know, uh, Wisconsin play Maryland, there's going to be some questionable calls. But tonight, I don't think it affected the game in any way, shape, or form. Um, I just thought Michigan State knew because they weren't shooting the three-ball wall, so they started attacking the basket, which, you know, Coach Underwood said, teams are going to start doing that as long as Kofi's out of the game. So, you're going to continue to see it. Um, from, from an Illinois standpoint, from Coach Underwood, Coach Underwood's a little different. You know, I, I, what I see that, you know, that he does on the sideline, uh, Izzo um, will chew on an official for a long time. You know, there was times where, like, uh, Michigan State would set a legal screen or travel. Brad Underwood, Chester Fraser, and Jeff, and Tim, they all would yell travel, and they would get the call. So tonight, I thought I kind of evened this stuff out. I, Under was just not one of those whiny guys. And I like it, though. Well, I did until what happened last year, but that's a different podcast, um, what he did to, to I.O. Kofi. But I just – I'm a fan of his, but that's just who he is. And Brad's right. He's been around a long time. And people like him and Coach K, that's why I never want to play Duke in the tournament because nine times out of ten, he's going to get called and it's going to affect how your team plays, especially – if you're a team that's not a blue blood or one of the teams that's supposed to be really good that year. So I didn't have a problem tonight. I mean, I did not like the Purdue game. The Purdue game was a little bit different, but tonight I didn't think it was as bad. And it didn't, I don't think it cost him the game at all. Illinois shot a lot of jump shots, so they didn't take the ball to the basket a lot to begin with either. Yep. And then um, on a last thing, I, I thought kind of the interesting thing was um, while the turnovers – weren't too far apart, you know, 11 to seven, um, you know, only two points off of turnovers for Michigan state. I thought a lot of that was Illinois just busted their butt to get back on defense. Illinois had uh, 15 points off of turnovers. And I thought that was a little bit different than what we've seen in the past. So not only was Illinois causing 
havoc with the uh, low shooting percentages, holding Michigan State to a dismal 34.5% field goal shooting and a miserable 21.4% from the three. But they were also actually, you know, managing to, you know, get some of those turnovers and turn them into points. I thought that was a a big key tonight. Brad, uh, anything else that you saw? Yeah, how about, how about the, uh, if you look at those, some of the numbers, second chance points, Michigan State won 11 to zero. Oh, that zero second chance yeah, points. Yeah. And Michigan, fast break points, Michigan State 12, Illinois 2. Yep. And you, so you get out scored in transition and second chance 23 to 2, and you win. Those are kind of things that don't happen very often. So a lot of, and you get, and you also have, they shoot what, 10 more free throws than you do, or whatever, 11 more free throws than you do. So, it's pretty wild to actually win that game. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, you just find they found a way. Yep. They found a way to lose to Arizona. They found a way to lose to Purdue. They found a way to lose to Marquette. Found a way to win today. So, you know, this is the kind of game that, you know, maybe they learned from those other losses um, and, and got it done. I, I will say this, that um, there's a lot of a lot of people talk about, you know, Illinois went to stall ball at the end and all this stuff. They really didn't. They ran some really nice action. If you look at those shots, the final 530, they weren't all great. The options were there. I mean, the Underwood talked about postgame. Jake Granderson had, who's a almost 50% three-point shooter, had kind of wide-open looks that went in and out. Plummer got a good look, went off the front iron. Yep. Um, you had, uh, Plummer had a great drive, and Bingham makes a great defensive block. I mean, he came out of nowhere. You had DeMonte drive the basket. He has a layup, but he doesn't take it, you know, because he's, <laughs> his players are going to get blocked. Yep. Um, Trent had a couple of pull-ups. I mean, those are not – those are the kind of shots – I mean, that's college basketball. I mean, those are the kind of shots you take and when you don't have, you know, a guy like Curbelo getting the paint or Kofi. And it wasn't like – I don't think any of the shots were rushed. Like, they, they have late shot clock, but they weren't like rushed. There was only one possession, I thought, when they had the shot clock violation that they passed up. That was when Devontae passed it up, actually. But really, I mean, overall, they, once the offense was that bad, you just got to make shots. And the one thing that Illinois didn't do all night was get to, get to the line. And so when things aren't going well, you're not making shots, you got to find a way to get to the line. You got to draw a foul um, and, and find a way to do that. They, just, they they aren't very good at that, to be honest, outside of, you know, Kofi. So that's what it is. Yeah, and they, don't, and they don't have a lot of length, which which that, that obviously, um, you know, uh, Underwood's addressing, you know, as he recruits. Um Ked, any final thoughts from you on on what you saw tonight? Well, again, I think it's a learning experience. Um, you know, we all talked about things. The thing I really like, you know, that Brad mentioned was the, you know, being able to play the young guys or guys to give you more depth because you're going to need that to trust those guys. And um, that was huge for me because, again, you won at home against the top 10 team with two of your better players sitting out. I think that's a statement. I liked it because it was on ESPN, which was a nationally televised game. Then, you know, you're going to get a lot of exposure, a lot of feedback from that. And it's also, you know, it sends a wake-up call to the rest of the Big Ten. But Illinois, you know, you're going to have to play them. You're not just going to roll over and come in and beat them. Yes, they play bad against Maryland, but there's too many games. I mean, you're not going to play well play great every time. You're not going to win every game. So to me, you know, that's in the past. you got to move forward. Northwestern is not going to be easy. They went to Michigan State and won at Michigan State. It's been a while since Illinois has done that. So you can't take that game lightly. I hope they get the rest. I hope they get Kofi and Cabello back and they can get a healthy roster together so they can win, compete, and have the season that we all hope that they would have. But I, I tweeted it earlier today. I have to give kudos to the whole staff. They just piece things together. And, you know, if you've ever coached before, having a practice at any level without 10 people, it, it's hard. It is really, really hard to do because people defend things differently. So kudos to them and to, and to the team. And the fans continue to show up, which is great. You know, um, again, I love the national attention that they're getting and who's at the game tonight. So just got to keep moving in the right direction. Brad, I'm going to give you the uh, final word on um, on that. Um, what are your thoughts? You know, on any wrap up thoughts or anything that we haven't we haven't hit on yet? Yeah, I think the biggest thing you got to play with that same effort, intensity, um, the energy, and 
even when you get Kofi and Trebello back, you can't. I think they still have to say, play with that same energy and go to the. You know, they went to the defensive glass. You saw some guys do that. A lot of times with Kofi, maybe they don't do that. Um, they just rely on him to clean the glass. And so I think there's some some like getting them back is if they can continue to play with this kind of energy they played with tonight on the defensive end. Kobe obviously clears things out inside because people worry about him. And they don't really worry about Benjamin Boswell's or Don Gromar Payne right now. So they can really close out on shooters. Kobe opens up the, the shooting lanes and the driving lanes and, and creates gaps and just because of his presence. So you get him back and you're going to be a better team. This is a team just has to keep getting better. And obviously they're, they're in the hunt for the Big Ten title. They're in first place. Um, we're all, they went Saturday, they'd be in first place halfway through. And um, that's a that's a good place to be. You'd rather be there than anywhere else. Now it's just getting healthy, finding a way to get in the glow groove. And, and I'm going to be honest with you, if this is a fully healthy team in two weeks, three weeks down the road, this is a team that can, can do damage. This is a team that can make a run in the NCAA tournament. Um, and, and I'll be honest, and the other thing I want to say to all the LA fans, now, I don't want to hear you crying anymore about no quality wins or no quad one wins or any of that crap. Stop. It's over. They got it. They're, they may have three by Saturday if Michigan wins. So it's okay. Perfect. Well, thank you, gentlemen. I know you guys are uh, en route from the game. I certainly appreciate the fact that you guys are able to jump on here and give the fans a little bit of your insight on the game tonight. And now we take a turn to uh, Matt Stevens, who was also there, the Illini beat reporter for IlliniGuys.com. He was there in the State Farm Center, and we're going to get his impressions of what he saw. Matt, there was a lot of stuff going on tonight, a lot of storylines going on tonight with Curbelo gone, Kofi gone uh, from the lineup, um, playing the number 10 team. What jumps out at you after you've seen the game and had a chance to sit back and reflect? That what I've been saying since, I don't know, Thanksgiving, when this team sits down and defends and actually gives a darn on that end of the floor, no matter what they do offensively, they can win a ball game. And uh, I thought you got a hell of an effort out of the guys that were in Kofi's spot on the five, at, at the five defensively. And I think that really bothered Michigan State because they did not dominate points in the paint like they should have if Kofi Coburn's on the floor. Um, and you got a hell of an effort out of your fifth year, guys. I thought Trent Frazier, um, while the box score is going to say he didn't shoot it really well, I thought he played his butt off. Yeah. Again, just did classic Trent stuff on on defense. And then I thought you got <laughs> – I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to preach to people, and they're not going to like it, and I've been doing it all year, but you got a hell of an effort out of DeMonte Williams tonight. And – I'm writing a story that will go up on a line I guys about how both head coaches think he's the reason they won. He didn't score a point. He played 27 minutes. Yeah. There's going to be a lot of fans who will just recoil at that. And I, I think yeah. I even tweeted it during the game. People are going to miss DeMonte Williams next year, whether they admit it fans, or not. Yeah. And, and I'm not saying this because they're bad people. Oh, I agree with but, that. But thank God those fans don't coach the fighting Illini men's basketball team, because <laughs> if they did, we, the Illinois would lose a lot more games. And yep. you got a hall, you got a future Hall of Famer in Tom Izzo, and a guy who's quite honestly, I think, from a confidence level standpoint, feeling himself about as much as the dude whose name is on the floor here at the State Farm Center um, in Brad Underwood. That you know, they're pretty good at what they do for a living. And when they tell me that this dude is a reason why, I watched Demonte Williams. Mike for six straight possessions guard Mark Marcus Bingham and Marcus yeah, exactly. Bingham is six foot 11 and he's 260 pounds and he didn't he didn't put two feet in the lane when DeMonte Williams was guarding him didn't put two feet in the lane and they had no interior offense because DeMonte Williams was not going to let him get any kind of you know footing to get a post touch that was going to be worth a darn for Michigan State then he guards the, you know, then he guards the point guard on one of the last possessions and helps, you know, basically prevent Michigan State from getting a bucket there on 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 the shot that Luke Goody ended up getting the rebound on. Um, and then the last part I thought it was a guy I just named, which is I thought you got a hell of an effort out of Luke Goody tonight, who um, again 
Tom Izzo's a big fan of Luke Goody, and he ought to be because he recruited him a you know a long time to Michigan State because Fort Wayne, Indiana is not that far away from Michigan yeah. State. And um, the kid produced tonight, and and like he thought, like I think Tom Izzo thought he would because you don't recruit that hard a kid if you're in Michigan State if you don't think you can play basketball. And he Luke just does. There's been a lot of people, I'll just say, who think the freshmen ought to get more tick. All right, and I'll, as a group. I can come to tell you right now that Luke Goody has figured out and after listening to him, well, as much as I have, he sounds like a 25 year old. And I understand now why, like, because he understood early and often, gee, okay. What are the things that really tick off my head coach? Okay. I won't do those things. And, <laughs> and then I'll, I'll, then suddenly Luke figured out, that magical equation equals more playing time for Luke Goody. Right. And it's amazing to me that some of these other dudes who are down the level of the bench haven't figured this out yet. And so, um, but I, I, I thought those are the guys that you just got a hell of an effort out of tonight. And um, if this thing continues to fester with not having Kofi and not having Bello, because I'm not a doctor and I don't know how long this is going to last. Um you're going to have to start winning big 10 rock fights like this. And it's really awesome to have a night like this when you know you, you, you can do it on the defensive end and you can do it from a toughness standpoint and you can do it on the glass. And, um, and you have fifth year seniors that know how to, how to do it. And I thought, cause I asked Brad the question, Mike, the other day, I said, do you have a locker room that you can trust that can tell that can say, Hey, you know, Maryland can't happen anymore. That, that night can't ever happen again. Because, Mike, you and I both know this Illini team had a dude named Ayo Desumu who would walk in the locker room and say, that's not going to happen again, not under my watch. I don't care what the coaches say. You're going to have to deal with me if you play like that again. And I thought it was really funny that Ayo was here tonight and he got to watch some dudes like Trent Frazier and Demonte Williams figure out that, you know, those, are, those were my lieutenants a few, you know, a couple of years ago and last year. And now they're they're generals and commanders of this locker room, and you figured that out tonight. And and while I think Michigan State's going to be really good, and I think that they're they're going to be a tough out the rest of the year, and I think they're going to be a tough out in March. Um, they built their entire program on we're just going to play harder, and we're going to play tougher than you. We are tougher than you. And it's so funny that now Tom Izzo has to go up against a dude in Brad Underwood that has basically built his entire program on, I'm going to coach my guys harder and we're going to play tougher than you. And it's always made for a, I, what I would say is probably a bad matchup for Illinois because Tom's been doing it a wee bit longer at Michigan State than Brad's been doing it right. at Illinois. But, I mean, this was a culture win for Illinois and I think it's I think it was big I think it was so so big for for so many different reasons other but the most of which being Brad Underwood can go into the into practice tomorrow and the next day and go guys you can do this I've seen you do it I I don't have to I don't have to hold the cattle prod up to your leg anymore you know how to do this you can do it yeah and I think I think the other interesting thing is is you know when I watched Demonte what I thought was the most fun was he actually forced Bingham to take a shot on the left side where Bingham was, I don't know, eight, nine feet from the basket and actually shot leaning backwards against a guy who's six foot two, maybe six foot three in his shoes. Um, I, I just, I didn't, I didn't expect to see a six ten, six eleven guy not be leaning in and, and using that size, but DeMonte didn't let him. And, and I thought that was that was one of those moments during the game that you're thinking to yourself, um, people, you know, it's not something that you really watch unless you're kind of trained eye a little bit. But you're you're thinking to yourself, man, people are gonna miss this dude. Cause who's gonna remind, Mikey reminded me two years ago in Mackey Arena when I watched Matt Harms be guarded by DeMonte Williams and literally Matt Harms is standing there going, Why am I not dominating this dude? Yeah. Like honestly. And the reason that you aren't dominating this dude is because he's one of the strongest dudes in the league. He's not going to move. And he also knows more or less how to play defense without fouling. And he also understands, you know, 
everything that Brad under like again we go back to like what Luke Goody figured out in the preseason of his freshman year like DeMonte Williams has perfected if I do all of these things that my head coach you know if I don't do any of the things that really tick off my head coach I will be on the floor during winning time and there are there are dudes on every team Mike and you you've known this coaching as long as you have and I've watched it as long as I have and Brad's watched Underwood has watched this as long as he has. There are just dudes that you miss because it's it just makes winning harder without them. And Demonte Williams and Trent Frazier are two of those dudes that you know. You want to know why senior night is going to be really really difficult for Brad Underwood? It's going to be because he's now got to figure out okay how do I win without these two dudes? And and, yeah. and that's 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 but this team has figured out that the defensive end of the floor, especially in this conference, is how you're going to win a regular season championship. And, you know, despite what happened against Maryland, you were able to rebound without two premier players and, and do what you needed to do on that end of the floor to get a victory and against, you know, a team that I think is just going to continue to get wins and make, that, make this win look better and better and better and better. And you kept yourself in the race for the Big Ten regular season championship. And, and nothing I'm talking about has anything to do with whether or not how many times they put the ball in the basket. And so uh, this team just had a maturity to it tonight that I felt like was was really was it, it was just heartwarming to see, especially after what happened at Maryland, especially right. after that. Yeah. And it was hard to see, like I said, when you look at the, the um, you know, you look at Maryland, which was a frustrating loss. But understandable, they're 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 a rough match, and um, uh, they they seem to have had Illinois' number for a number of years now. But um, now one moves their eyes to to hoping that that you know they can keep this type of um, keep this type of effort, you know, at the beck and call when they have to play Northwestern, which Northwestern's an easy team that if you're not disciplined, you could, you could overlook them and end up the way Michigan state did just a couple of weeks ago and on the wrong side of a loss that you really don't want to take. And the other thing is, is one worries with, you know, the number of guys who aren't feeling well, how hard, you know, can you practice them and, and, you know, to, to, so that they've got the right amount of energy for games. It was clear that Underwood had a good handle on that today. And, um, they didn't appear to be too gassed, um, although you're, you're, there's always critics, and they'll say, well, they didn't score the last 532, so maybe they were tired. But right. um, they also played pretty dang tough defense that whole time, so that tells me they were okay. Um, but you know, to me, if, if I was coaching the Illini, the two things I'd be worried about is, you know, can we now build on this uh, from a defensive effort standpoint? And then how, how much do I condition them under these rare circumstances when you've had a COVID outbreak, you've had a flu outbreak, you know, it's just, these are just weird times that no other coaching staff, you know, no other era, you know, Lou Henson never had to deal with this, you know, et cetera. We can go through the historical sure. Illinois coaches. And so to me, that's a little bit of new ground that coach Underwood's going to have to figure out along with Adam Fletcher and the staff, how do they, chart their way through these rocky waters well mike quickly on that point like i asked the question about a week and a half ago to brad underwood about maintenance days for trent frazier like they're trying like but when trent walks into the either right here at state farm center or at oven and says no i'm practicing today like what do you i mean I understand you've got to protect a young man for himself, but like if he wants to practice and he wants like, what are you supposed to like? If you're Brad Underwood, I don't understand what he's supposed to do. Like no, only Trent, thing, you're supposed to sit that out to you're supposed to sit out that out today. No, but, but what you do, what you do look at is maybe you say like normally, because, because Underwood knows what he's going to do. I mean, you know, he's yeah. been doing this for years, but maybe you make a 90 minute practice, 60 minutes. No, and I think there's you things know, that he can that do, and I think thing. Underwood's smart enough to do that. Oh, no, I have no doubt. Like, I have no if doubt. He were, if he were to give, and I know they have, like when Trent had the fall, okay, yeah. after after the, um, the in the practice right before, like I think it was the Purdue game, or yeah. even right after the Purdue game, and he didn't practice all the way up to like Maryland, right? This staff has been trying to get 
trying to find excuses to give Trent maintenance days on practice. And that was one where they're like, yeah. look, Trent, like you're not practicing. Like this is physical. Okay. Like you have to listen to us. And, but like, if he gives Trent like a maintenance day and practice stinks, like Underwood, like, Oh crap, we're going to lose, like you know, cause the team's not ready to go. Like, yeah. So Trent knows how much he's needed and how much he's needed, you know, in, in days where they don't, play games in front of nationally televised audiences and 17,000 people who only see them during games. Like, right. Right. So I just think that this team has, you know what Mike is that this team has a maturity. I didn't know that it had going into this game tonight. Like, and, and um, I've said it before and I'll say it again, like up until tonight, if it was easy, this team tended to choose to do it, whether it was going under screens or, you know, not getting that last box out or, you know, not, you know, grinding on the defensive end the way that they need because the shots aren't falling. If it was easy, this team tended to choose to do it. And last year's team just didn't operate that way. Tonight reminded me of what last year's team looked like because they did everything that was hard and got rewarded for it. I mean, I'll just say this, and beyond anything, the Orange Crush wants to tell Max Christie during the game, Max Max Christie very much does not stink (laughs) as a basketball player. But Max Christie figured out what a lot of people in the Big Ten have figured out, that if I'm getting guarded by Trent Frazier, guess what? I'm probably not going to have the best night. And sure enough, Max Christie has a terrible night offensively because he's being guarded by Trent Frazier. And so, again, there are things – there are winning things that Illinois did tonight that I was was so surprised in a way but reminded that they could do – that I feel like this this is the jumping off point for for what this Illinois team could be in February and in March. Right. Well, and and I think tonight um, the the one guy who or the 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 team that did the easy thing was actually Michigan State in the first half. Yes. They went they went under picks. They took the easy route, and and that gap that they got behind, you know, that fourteen points at the half that Illinois then was able to. To, through a little bit of back and forth, got up to 15. They needed every every point of that when the, when the game was done, obviously to win. And and a lot of that goes in the first half. The the team that quote blinked and took the easy route. And it's rare that it happens under Tom Izzo, but it happened tonight. They took the easy route in the first half, and and they paid for it. Yeah, and I, I thought it, I thought Izzo kind of pointed out that so they go to Madison and probably play the best they have in quite a while. Yeah. And to get that win over the Badgers. And then they come here and they, 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 I mean, they prepared for Kofi and Bellow. So they thought they were going to play. It wasn't like they walked in here knowing, okay, we're, we're, we're playing an Illinois team that's, you know, not that far removed from, you know, a JV roster. Like that, they didn't have that thought because they thought Kofi and Bellow were going to play. But Tom did remind everybody look, I've been dealing with this inconsistency all year and we've, we've kind of bottled it and, you know, hit it around, you know, six conference, six, seven conference wins. But I mean, my thing with Michigan state is, is that they have totally revamped the guard position in a matter of a year. Cause remember they were basically based off of what they were based off of rocket Watts and yeah. a lot of other guards that just aren't there anymore. Now they've totally revamped the, per, the point guard position, and it's still the same deal that Izzo comes in and goes, we stink at the point guard position, and we stink at the guard positions, and I can't get any consistency out of my guards. Um, I was glad Izzo pointed out, look, they had nine turnovers in the first half. And then, again, a maturity from Illinois to know, okay, we don't have Kofi, we don't have Bello. Specifically, we don't have Kofi. Um we're not going to be able to like just turn it over at a 25% clip like we normally do, like right all year. So they didn't. And Michigan State turned it over a good amount. And Illinois took advantage of those turnovers. I think it was at one point it was 15 to two on points off a of turnover. Some yeah, I think that's where it, that's where it ended up as well. Yeah. And I mean Illinois needed that advantage. And again, that's the defensive end of the floor turning into easy offense for Illinois. And I thought, you know. Um, but yeah, I don't think Michigan state's gonna, you know, fester on this loss more than I think, um, I do think Izzo's gonna, gonna crack the whip on them and especially his guards coming out of this game. 
I wouldn't be surprised if Brad Underwood kind of eases off and goes, you know, okay, I've proven my point. Like, I know what I'm doing. Like, you know, I'm going to coach this team the way I coach this team. I know what I'm doing, you know, um, and it's working. So, um, again, he said it was a culture win, and I don't disagree with him. He being Brad Underwood, sorry. Um, I would agree with that, but I also thought it was a mature maturity win tonight out of Illinois. And you got that maturity out of two fifth-year seniors and a, and a freshman who acts like he's 25 years old that I think is going to be really, really good. Mike, we had him on. I wanted to throw this out at you because I'm 37. You're older than me, so you can tell me if this is a ridiculous comp. Um, the reincarnation of Doug Altenberger, who we just had a couple of weeks ago on our radio show, is Luke Goody to me. I mean, that's that's that yeah. to me is what that young man is, and, and yeah, a little, little bit a little bit bigger because you know yeah, I think Altenberger is probably six four, maybe six five. And, you know, but you, from a you, toughness you, standpoint, from a shooting standpoint, from a just how to knows how to play basketball at a very, very young age type of deal. And he could um, probably play quarterback for a football team. <laughs> right now, he probably could. Because <laughs> like, I tell you I mean, what, man, that, that arm that I saw prior to the Nebraska game was pretty good. No, I, I thought was really interesting. If you go back and watch the tape, the first thing he did when he got into the game was he had to tell Bosman's Verdonk where to go on the offense and, and what cut to make. And if you right. watch that, you don't usually see a freshman come into a high-pressure game against a top-10 team, and when the offense gets called, has to literally arrange two people to get them to do the right thing. And yeah. um, that's, that's, that shows you the, the, the knowledge of the game, but it's also the leadership that he's willing to do that in front of 15,000 screaming people on ESPN – and take control of a situation that many people would be like, ah, they're older than me. I'll just, they'll, they'll figure it out. Right. And I think that that's, that's part of his maturity. And I think that yep. that's, that's going to earn him, you know, a, as a spot in this rotation as we go forward here in February and March. Oh, by the way, I haven't even mentioned, I, I don't, I don't know if you, you agree with me, Mike, but it's the best Omar Payne's looked in an Illinois Jersey. Period. Oh, yeah. and I, Except I for that one dumb foul, but other than the dumb, that. I, it's, it's funny you say that because I said it to Brad Underwood. I said, regardless of the four fouls, put that aside. Best Omar's looked in a while, and if you could get that every night, you'd take it and be happy yep. with it, right? And the first thing out of Brad's mouth was, yeah, except for the really dumb foul. Like, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, yeah, but it, other than that, like – from an energy standpoint, from a defensive standpoint, from a rebounding standpoint, from a just understanding how to guard Marcus Bingham, like, and Joey Hauser, like the way that you, I need to guard them. Yeah. There was, there was nothing, there wasn't a foot that, except for the fouls, he needs to not do that because at four, at the 14 minute mark of the second half, I don't need to want to need to want to hear Tim Sinclair say Brandon Lieb checking in for the Illini. Um, I, I think Omar had, his best game. Like, oh, I, I agree. Totally. Be, honestly. And I know that we have so many good analysis of, of basketball coming out of Brad Sturdy and Ked this. I, I, and I sat next to Sturdy during the post game and I literally whispered to him. I said, this has got to be what you saw out of Omar in the preseason. Like when he was just this dude that everybody thought, boy, he's going to be the perfect backup to Kofi and everything's going to be fine. And everything's like when, when, everything and, and he's like yeah this is what he looked like and um you know if he can put that together for 15 minutes a night like great and and brad underwood even admitted i thought about starting him because he's been that good in practice over the last couple of days like so i mean i'm not suggesting that they want to play without kofi god i'm not an idiot but what, what i am saying is is that this is giving an, another we talk about maturity. This is another example of how Omar Payne can mature as he as as a as a basketball player right now because he's needed right now. And if there's anything that we know is that, you know, BBV and and Omar are going to be needed for a combined forty minutes, and they got to give them something. And and yep. from an energy and a maturity and an intelligence standpoint, beyond the fouls, I thought that was Omar's best game in an Illinois jersey. I really did, and I, and I think. Uh, I think he's just getting more and more confident. And I think that that, well, that was another key is that, again, when you put Omar in the game, it was a plus on the defensive end of the floor. And Michigan State wasn't able to get easy buckets with a Bingham or a Hauser when he was, they were on the floor. And that was, that was huge. And a game that, you know, it was 56, 50, you know, 55 at the, end of the, at the end of the night. Like, 
any any kind of bucket that that didn't take a whole lot of effort was was gold tonight and, and Omar Payne didn't allow that to happen yeah and I thought the interesting thing is uh you know I, I think I tweeted you know that that Illinois is going to need help on high from for a win here and um little did I think that 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 that, that would come in the fashion of a attempted free throw miss that would go in and essentially ice the game for the Illini. But this is what, this is what an old 54 year old who's watched a boatload of big 10 games over the last 40 years. I don't care if we win it by one tenth of one point, it's still a win. Mm-hmm. I don't care if it's at home. I don't care if it's away. I don't care if we win a game by 0.1 to zero, it's still a win. Mm-hmm. And so, I, again, I thought this team played excellent um, on the defensive end, which determined everything else. Um, any final thoughts before we close this down? I I think Illinois looks a lot different on paper, and I think they look a lot different on film, and I think they look a lot different in terms of just from a confidence standpoint without a – first-team All-American and Kofi Coburn and a, and, a, and a guy that can be one of the nation's most exciting point guards in Andre Carbello. And I, I think um, I think for for lack of a better term, there are so many reasons why Illinois needed this tonight. And on paper, they needed it just because they need a signature win. But But in terms of what you see with your eyes, they needed to be able to – they needed to be able to experience winning a game where the analytics are going to say Illinois stunk on offense. Let's just be honest. And I don't care. Like, and you were like, to your point that you just made, Mike, I don't care what it looks like. I really don't. I really don't care what it looks like. If you have to muck this thing up for 40 minutes to beat Michigan state, a top 10 team in your own building, then muck the darn thing up. I don't care. I mean, and, and I don't feel like Illinois mucked it up as much. I was going to say, I didn't, I didn't feel they did that. I thought no, it was. I'm, what I mean by muck it up is just like, if you have to do all the dirty stuff and if you have to do all the stuff that takes effort and guts and grit and toughness that Brad Underwood's ta- been talking about for the last five years that he's had the freaking job, like they needed to see that, that the ball doesn't always have to go in for you to win a ball, basketball game. Like there are other things that you can do in order to pull something out. And that's exactly what Illinois did tonight. It wasn't pretty. And it's not something, it's not one for the archives, but it needed to happen because this team needed to show its maturity on a level that is what teams that, you know, can go deep in March show eventually on on a night. Like, I mean, it's, it's not a great, it's not as good an opponent, but I mean, I mean, you're looking at like Auburn won tonight with 56 points. Like, I mean, you have to get a W, you know, in, in, in ways that aren't comfortable sometimes. And this sure wasn't comfortable for Illinois when they showed up at the arena tonight. And um, you got an elite performance on one end of the floor and you, 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 you showed a mature, I, I keep using this word, but you just showed a maturity that I wasn't entirely sure that, this team had only because Io DeSumo meant so damn much to this program the last couple of years. And his void um, was showing in certain situations late in games um, on both ends of the floor, but um, in late in games and his leadership void was showing on this team. And I just, I feel like his void got, got, got covered tonight by, you know, uh, all the dudes that I just mentioned because they were needed and and it was um you know everybody had a job tonight and for the most part pretty much it got done and so i think that i think this is a jumping off point for illinois i really really do in a game that statistically i think kim palm's going to rate this game probably as illinois one of illinois worst big 10 games i don't care like i mean i don't care what the analytics numbers are they're going to be better offensively the more that they practice with, with, with the group that they have, they just are like there's the more reps you have with the group that you have, it's going to be fine. Um, but I, I, I think this could be a jumping off point because Mike, I don't know. We don't, we may not have a podcast here before that game on Saturday. Um, I've covered that game. I've covered that Northwestern game in Evanston enough to know 
Um, you chalk that up as an Illinois home game on Saturday. We all know that it's going to be like it all ends. It always ends up being one. Like so, um, from a comfort level standpoint, Illinois always feels good about playing in Welsh Ryan. And I think again, they can get on a roll here, and and they've got they've got an opportunity here to get on a roll and continue to you know be the be the leader in the of the pack in the Big Ten. And I wasn't sure I felt that way coming to the arena tonight. Yep. Well, thanks for your uh, coverage here. Uh, that was Matt Stevens, the Illini guys, beat reporter and staff reporter who covers uh, the Illini football program, also works with the Illini basketball program. Uh, this is Mike Kegley. We want to thank Brad Sturdy, a fellow Illini guy, along with Kedrick Prince, director of recruiting. We would tell you that, please, if you like what you heard today, you can also go to Sturdy for 30. That's Brad's award-winning podcast. Uh, that he has. You can also search and get Ked's Recruiting Roundup, which features all sorts of recruiting stories from the parent and the uh, player point of view, a totally different uh, uh, angle than what you hear anywhere else. And of course, you can check out, Matt referred to it, the Illini Guys Sports Spectacular. That's our two-hour weekly radio show that is on 25 stations in the state of Illinois. All you need to do is go to IlliniGuys.com, hit the radio button at the top, and it will show you a list of the stations and what time we are on. We would love, we would love to have you tune in. And if you do tune in, please call that station up. Tell them you appreciate that the Illini Guys Sports Spectacular is on the station. And I'm getting really tired of calling all these stations and trying to sound like different, you know, people like old lady me. Hey, that's a great show. And then really angry me. Man, don't ever take that off. So if we can get a few more people calling in, that'd be great. They're starting to get on to me. Um, additionally, and one final thing, you have IlliniGuys.com, the number one source for inside information. Let's just say that Illini Guys subscribers, they knew well over 12 hours before the game that Bello and Kofi would not be playing. If you want to have stuff, you want inside information, Subscribe, go back on our message boards. You'll see how the sausage gets made. Sometimes it's ugly, sometimes it's not. But you'll see how the teams get, the players they get. You'll see who they maybe decided they didn't want. You'll get the real stories, and you'll understand how the Illini teams that you love to watch, how they end up looking the way they do. So with that, this is Illini Guy Mike. Thank you so much for listening, and have a great evening.